You can open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Glad to put one in your hand. Don't have a Bible, you can keep it. We like giving out Bibles. Nehemiah chapter 2. I'm just going to read um, two verses in verse 17 and 18. And this is, again, by way of review, but I'm sharing it from a little different perspective, a little different angle, if you will. Nehemiah 2, starting verse 17, Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste, its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. I don't know if you know this or not, but the hand of God is good upon you right now. If you're alive, the hand of God is good, good upon you. Now, if you go home to be with the Lord, you'll really know the hand of good, God's goodness is upon you. Amen? The second you slip from this life into heaven, if you're born again, the hand of God will be more real to you than it's ever been before. But right now, the invisible hand of God is on us. If we know him, but Nehemiah knew that God's hand was on him. The blessing of God was on him. He said, the hand of God has been good upon me, and also the king's words that he spoke to me. Remember, the, the king of Persia had given, given him favor, had given him an army, a detachment of men, had given him the materials to go back. But even though he had been given the leeway to go back to Jerusalem, he couldn't do the job. You know, Lee and Zach might be willing to go to India, but they need your help. You know, there's people that are willing to take huge steps of faith and have in the history of this world, whether it be Hudson Taylor or David Livingston or D.L. Moody, you can go on and on, but they needed other people's help. There's, there's, they could not do the whole thing by themselves. You can't do life by yourself, can you? You need somebody's help. You need people's help. And Nehemiah said, I know what God's called me to do. I know what God is willing to do. I know what God wants us to do. But he says, will we do it together? And he says, come, let us, right? Let us, not me. Nehemiah says, come, let me build the wall. No, he's willing to do his part. Come, let us build the wall. Let us rise up, verse, middle of verse 18 again. So they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to do this good work. They became... Willing, ready. They said, we, we agree. We're ready to do it. Let's pray again. Father, we ask for your spirit to now speak through your word. Thank you that your hand is upon each and every person. Lord, I pray right now that your spirit literally is touching each head and speaking to each person what each person needs. Lord, we need to be spoken to individually, but also collectively. Because... You love us one by one, but you also want to turn us into a we, into a family that has the same goals, the same heart, and the same mind. Lord, you said that we would be one in the prayer of Jesus, John 17, even as you and the Father are one. So, Lord, stir us, unite us, and, Lord, strengthen us by your spirit this morning, by your word. In your name we pray. Amen. 
if you're taking notes, just a few things that I, by way of review. Now, remember that Nehemiah, the first thing that took place, chapter 1, I'm not going to read there, but remember, he got the news that the city was in great distress. Walls are down, nearly 100 years of broken down walls, broken down gates. And we talked about that maybe in your life you have many years of things that are still broken down. Maybe in your family, maybe in your extended family. You certainly can see it on our nation, wouldn't you agree? That there's many things that are broken down, many things that need repair. And sometimes the, the situation's so daunting, we think, well, what in the world can we possibly do? So our natural tendency is to do nothing. But Nehemiah didn't do nothing. He knew he, could, he, knew he couldn't fix it, but what did he do? He fasted and prayed, just like Lee and Zach were talk, uh, Lee was talking about a few minutes ago. He fasted and prayed. He chose to care. And as Christians, we first have to choose to care, don't we? Now, we know God cares. For God so loved the world that he, right, gave his only begotten son, sent his only begotten son. Now, we know God cares. The question is, will we agree with God and care? We know he cares. But will we say, Lord, we're going to follow your heart? We're going to have the same care. So then Nehemiah takes this burden, and he brings it to the people. He said, oh, by the way, I, I, I left a really good job working for the most powerful king in the world, and I came here to live in a tent or whatever, so we rebuild these walls. Is anyone with me? Had a few men that were with him. Remember, he did some scouting of the city. They did that in the middle of the night. Had a few guys had the same heart. They were ready. They took a look at things. He assessed all the gaps, where the biggest problems were. We looked at the different gates, if you recall. They all need to be repaired. Uh, right now, they were just kind of sitting ducks for their enemies. And so he knows that God's blessing is going to be on them. But a lot of times, just because somebody else believes God's blessing doesn't mean we believe it. Sometimes our faith is really weak. And so the people, they had to care, but they also had to agree that God would bless this effort. And they did. They came to the agreement. And there can be no real progress in our lives. Understand, there can be no real progress in our lives until there's at first agreement with God. Do you believe that? We cannot make progress. As we've been going through Nehemiah chapter 1 through 4, I've been saved since 1995. And I've still, so far, we're up to June. I've wanted to make progress in my Christian life right now in 2018, as much as I did in 2010, 2007, to year 2000, when Y2K was, remember that? We were supposed to all be gone by that, remember all that? But uh, all of those things, every year, Lord, help me make progress in my love for you, in my walk for you, in my desires, in my commitment. But we first have to agree with God, Right? You know, the old thing, God said it, I believe it. That settles it, right? We can say that, but is it real here? Agreement with his word. Agreement with his plans. Agreement with his commands. Agreement with his promises. Don't you love his promises? Nehemiah had come with the word of God, but would the people agree and respond? Or would they instead reject it and say, too big a job, too much work, too much sweat, too much dust, too much heat. Would they delay it? 
You ever procrastinate? Anyone? Or just me? Can you imagine if we stood before God and he showed us all the times we've procrastinated? I mean, every single one of them. You think, you think 24 hours is a long day? He just hits roll tape. All the times we procrastinated. What if they delay? What if they just ignore it? You ever act like you don't see something when you really do see it? Because if I act like I see it, then I'm going to be responsible for this. I'll never forget, I was, we were, Sarah and I were watching this show, and Celebrity was there, and, and she goes, do you want my help? Please say no, please say no, please say no. Right, you know? <laughs> Would they doubt it? Are we in agreement with God? What does it mean to agree with the Lord? It means to come to a place that we're believing what he said. We really do believe what he said, but not just believing it, but we're aligning our will to his will. We're aligning our will to the will of God. Remember Jesus in the garden? Thy will be done. He was saying, I'm in agreement with God. It's the purpose in our hearts to commit to obedience. We saw in verse 17, he says, come let us build. They say, in response, so they said, let us rise and build. And they set their hands to it. In other words, their will started to connect the mind and all the way through the nerves, right? that it became demonstrable that they were in agreement with God. Now, since we started in this Nehemiah study, what are those places in your life where the Spirit is identified, where God's Spirit's speaking to you? Those waste places of life, those wasted time areas, areas where the gates are down and God wants them up. He wants to cut off those areas of temptation. Any areas where the enemy has free reign in your life right now, and God says, I'll protect you from that. Are you willing to align your will and agree with me? I'll protect you from that. But you have to come into alignment with me. The enemy could stroll in and stroll out. I know, over the years of my life, there's things that, thankfully, the enemy doesn't have any control over me anymore in certain areas. But as soon as God locks down one area, guess what? He spotlights a new one, right? So there's always something God... He's chiseling, us, chiseling on us until the day we die. What are those areas? They set their hands because their heart was set. Have we decided we're all in for Jesus? People are all in for other, other things. I'm not putting down. I was riding by, you know, the big soccer field up here where, you know, the, the park. I saw just um, thousands of tents and cars. They're all in for the weekend lacrosse thing or whatever else is going on. They're all in. And God says, are you all in for the things that I'm speaking to you about? We're by faith laying aside. God wants us by faith to lay aside the past. Paul said, forgetting those things are behind me. You know, living in the past can really bum you out, can really keep you from growing, can really quench your joy by living in past failures. God doesn't want you living there. There's a lot of past failure laying up there. Remember, they looked at the rubble and all that stuff? Look at all this stuff. You look at failure every day. God says, I want you to lift your eyes up. Look up to the hills, the clouds where the Lord is seated. 
He wants us to bring our pain to him, our failures to him, our fears to him, our excuses. Even that lazy spirit that we have, God says, bring it to my feet. The first thing you have to do in agreement with God is admit, God, I'm lazy. I'm really apathetic here. I really don't care about lost people. One of the first things we can do is agree with God. God says, I know, I've wondered when you would figure this out. <laughs> you act like it doesn't exist. God wants us, to, Lee talked about being real. God wants us to be real. Say, Lord, right now I just don't care like I should. God says, the first step is you're admitting it. What are you going to do as you, as you agree with me? The people's minds were made up. They had done enough kind of kicking the can down the road. They were fully committed to rebuilding Jerusalem. The fact that we know, the fact is, we know when we're committed and when we're not, don't we? We know when we're committed. You knew if you were coming to church today. You turn that shower on. You turn the coffee on. You know when you're not going to go to something. You know, one of my favorite responses for people is, we might be there. I take that as an absolute no. You tell me you might be there, I am not counting on you being there. This, by experience in life, might means almost never. You're not going to want to say that response to me. You'll come up with some new words, but uh, I, do, I don't. I do not take might as much. You know, I don't think God does. God, I might pray with you today. I might, I might think about you. I might care about this. You know, God says, really? Will you? We have a committed father, and he's calling us to a committed life, don't we? D.L. Moody said, when God gave Christ to this world, he gave the best he had. And he wants us to do the same. Make up your mind that your life is going to be given to that one thing. And Jesus said, count the cost and decide. The people had to say, we're going to build. We're going to agree with God, and we're going to align our will. The next thing, they moved to repair. Turn over to chapter 3. One of my favorite verses, you know, because I have daughters. Verse 12, next to him was Shalom, the son of Helohesh, leader of the half of the district of Jerusalem, and his daughters made, his daughters made repairs. Verse 22, chapter 3, and next to, after him, the priests and the men of the plain made repairs. Verse 28, beyond the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. And so we saw that the people not only said, Lord, we agree with you, and not only were their hands ready for the work, but they started actually doing it. Don't you love when people do what they say they're going to do? Do you like when people tell you one thing and do something completely different? No, they said, "Let it, we'll rise and build, and by the grace of God, they started to move forward. They had their families involved. They started getting to the work. Because God is in the repairing business, isn't he? Do you believe that? Do you believe God wants to repair every life on planet Earth? He's, he's repaired my life. How about yours? But he didn't repair me just to repair me. He repaired me to kind of send me with a tool belt to now do new repairs, and you as well. That progress, it starts in the heart, but we know it doesn't stay in the heart. Obedience to the call of God doesn't just stay in our minds, but it plays out in the real world. This is always the case. The spiritual life is not theoretical. 
The spiritual life is not theoretical. It's not just kind of, well, stuff we think about. Oh, although we do want to have our thoughts focused on the Lord. Certainly the mind plays a big role, but the spiritual life has, life has to be lived out. Amen? Our heart's commitment to the work of God becomes genuine effort and labor. What the Lord starts in here becomes real sweat. You ever heard of the term sweat equity? God is going to say, I'm going to require some sweat equity of all of my servants. That's what we've been called to be, servants. And even though we're to experience joy in serving the Lord, the longer I serve the Lord, the more joy I have in it. God wants us to experience joy. He wants you to be filled with joy. Jesus said, I've come that your joy may be what? Full. John chapter 15. We'll encounter, even when we serve the Lord, even when he's filling us with joy, we'll encounter all the difficulties, all the headwinds, all the fatigue. You ever feel tired? Say, how do you think I feel right now? I thought, you know, if you weren't talking loud, I'd be asleep by now, right? <laughs> fatigue comes with the work. Our own flesh and the enemy always fights against the restoring work of God. God wants to restore. The enemy wants to keep us drowning in depression, fear, pain, wanting to give up. The enemy, the enemy will do anything and everything to get us to sit, to get us to quit, and to get us to back away, or never start in the first place, right? To never even get going. I can't remember what, uh, which uh, saint said it, but um, you know, remember when Abraham moved from Ur and he had to get to Canaan? Remember he stopped in Haran? I can't remember which saint said it, but a lot of Christians stopped in Haran and never left Haran. They're still in Haran. The promised land's over here, and they're still in Haran. The enemy will do anything to kind of stop us from doing what we've actually been called to do. But by the Spirit of God, he still stirs us anyway. Aren't you glad that God still stirs you even when you feel stale? He still comes and stirs you anyway. He kind of waters the dry plant even when, because there's no way you can water yourself. God has to do that. Your plants will never water themselves in the back porch, right? An outside force has to do that. And God still does. He stirs us. He compels us that the will and the work of his calling is greater than our feelings. We talk a lot about that, don't we? God's will and work is greater than our feelings. Let me give a really up-close-to-home example. Praise God, and this is a great praise that we've had this year. Not just this year, but going into, back into 2017. We have a lot of new babies here at CCR. Have you noticed? I mean, we're, we're flourishing in that respect here. We've got all these new little ones. You might see some around. Um, and some in the last year, I mean, from, from July or from June now all the way back to 2017, some are very first-time parents. Some are veterans of two, and some are, you know, first-time parents. But a lot of new babies have been a great praise. And some of the expectations uh, aren't probably what they expected. Some of the unexpected challenges that you didn't see coming, um, that challenge our commitment, right? Our physical and emotional resources. Then you find out, I don't have the resources I thought I had in this area, right? In fact, I have a graphical representation of the current status of how some parents energy-wise are doing compared to their baby um, <laughs> this morning. 
that look familiar? <laughs> Baby's at peace. Can't understand why you're tired. And some of you single parents, first, we love you single parents. Some of you single parents, I have a great place in my heart. My mom was a single mom for years. I mean, I just know what, and I've, I've seen enough. Uh, we've got so many people that are trying to do it all by themselves. I don't truly, if it wasn't Lord, I don't know how you do it. And so some, and sometimes some of you married parents, just imagine if you were a single parent. And just to put an arm around someone else will actually give you some energy in your own battery as well. But, you know, we love the single parents. We love the new parents. Um, and, and some of these single parents, they might say, well, I have less than those two red little slivers, <laughs> even less than that. Mine is barely, it's like, there's it, not even a, hardly a color showing up there. And yet, guess what? No matter how you feel, physically, emotionally, no matter how you feel, the call of the Lord on your life remains the same. Did you know that? God's not changing his call to our souls and to our spirit. The call of the Lord remains the same. It's still he wants you to get on your knees, well, rising up by getting on your knees, to rise up, to care for that little one. If you've been given a baby and you have no energy, and yet God says, I still want you to get up and feed the baby. You don't know where, sometimes you don't know where that energy came from, and you somehow pull it off, right? God can give us that same spiritual strength in every other facet of life. Do you believe that? He wants you to rise up, strengthen that little one, help them grow. If you read the scriptures, you'll see that every person that ever did anything had to trust God for strength, had to trust God for strength, had to trust God for strength. And even, it's kind of like everyone was walking on water like Peter did, in a sense, because it seems outside our resources because it is. But they still have a mind to work. The people still have a mind to work. We don't have literal stone walls to repair we do have a walkway out there that needs repaired. But we don't have literal stone walls that need repairing. Most of you don't have that. But we do have areas of neglect. We have areas that need healing. We have areas that need surrender. Agree with that? We have those things. And when we have these areas that need surrender, need strength, Lord, I need to lay these sins at your feet. Remember we talked about the sheep gate? You've got to go back to the sheep gate first, right? Why the sheep gate? Because that's where the blood sacrifice is. Without the blood of Jesus, we never get fresh starts. Aren't you glad that you can have a fresh start today, June the 24th? You can have another one in July, another one in August, another one. Every day is, in essence, a new fresh start from God. The Bible says his mercies are new every day. Every day. That's the sheep gate which we talked about, the blood sacrifice of Jesus. That's where we find grace and mercy. God has enough grace for all of us and all 7 billion people on earth. Not just for salvation, but to walk out our faith. Then we have to go back to the refuse gate. You know where that is? That's where we chuck the sins, the excuses, the fears, the anxieties, the, all that we chuck it out the gate and say, Lord, Send it on downriver. The refuse gate. Because as we receive God's grace, what 
what he wants to come in, he also wants some things to go out. Amen? What he wants to go out is the junk that keeps us from being what he's called us to be, from the work that he's called us to. We have to leave our sins and failures and weaknesses there. I'm glad. I, I find great relief that I can bring God all the junk and leave it there at the foot of the cross. Aren't you? I'm not talking about only sin. I'm talking about all of our weaknesses. We can't really be used to build other people up and repair until the Lord repairs us. Isn't that true? If you're laying on the couch with a fever of 103, you're not that much good to anybody else, are you? Except for your prayer life. It might be the most powerful time you pray. But when the Lord restores you, you should be up saying, I'm ready to serve again. God wants to do that in us. I'm not saying wait till we're a finished product. Don't wait till you're a finished product. If you wait till you're a finished product, you'll never do anything. None of us would. We don't wait till we're a finished product, but we're humbly seeking daily God's grace and his forgiveness. Daily, a work of the Spirit. He washes our feet so we can wash other people's feet. Amen? That's what he does. He washes our feet fresh and new so we can go wash. That was the model Jesus gave. What? Took the bowl, said, I'm going to wash your feet. Now you're going to wash people's feet. I'm going to strengthen you. That was a spiritual work, not just a physical work, although he used it as an illustration. But I believe there are four areas where God wants us to take steps and grow. And I believe they're interdependent of each other. Four areas that we'll look at just briefly. Number one, Christ repairing us, daily being refreshed by Jesus. You have areas, I have areas of need repair that we don't even know need repair. Did you know that God knows us trillions of times better than we know ourselves? Areas we think are a strength, that's not a strength. That's not a strength. That's actually holding you back right now. Other people say, I could have told you that. You know, but uh, I found this in my life. You'll find it in your life. And I'm not, I'm not again, God, God takes all of us just lumps of clay, and he does really good stuff with it as we're yielded. But he has to daily refresh us. Are you being daily refreshed by Jesus? Are you really sitting at his feet, taking that time to spend with him? Are you attending to the needs? Are, are we attending? As we're moved to really repair, we know God has to repair us so we can do repairs are we attending to the needs of our family and loved ones? So, dads, are we investing? Are we discipling? Are we praying for our wives and children? If you're a single parent, you've got to do both. You're both mom and dad in that, in that respect. You've got to pray for the kids. You've got to come and be encouraged. Are we helping with the, are we helping with the needs within the family of God? Everyone, everyone's work is valuable. We have all kinds of needs here. I don't go around grabbing people and say, I need you, I need you. But I do pray. I pray, Lord, send labors into the harvest. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest. We have lots of needs. God knows them. Lord, we could use a leader here. We could use a person here. We could use Not because there's anything, we're, we're not kingdom building. We just know that there's thousands upon thousands of people that we could impact. And, and God says, when you guys get my heart, you're going to touch them. You're going to touch more than you ever thought possible. Did you think 12 men thought they could shape the shake the world like they did? They didn't go around, you know, trying to grab resources. They got into the presence of God. But then they did their, but they did their part. They, they put their hands to the work. Paul, John, 
Peter, James, they all did that work. And so God says, hey, invest in family. That children's ministry over there needs your help. The Bonaire team, hey, they would love to go in two by two. They don't feel any better going in one by one than you would. They could use strengthening. And then the fourth, helping to bring restoring the restoring power of Jesus to the world. Uh, we are a ministry that wants to serve in the community, but we're also looking beyond these four walls. As you heard from uh, Lee, and you'll hear from Pastor Bill next Sunday, I'm positive about all of these things because in the scriptures, in the life and ministry of Jesus, in the teaching of the apostles, these things are directly expressed, especially the fourth one there, that God says, I want you to get your eyes off of just you and out to the people all around you. We know if the Lord is refreshing us, then we'll rise to the responsibilities given to us. And I, and I use that word, responsibilities. Do you believe God's given you responsibilities? Rise to the responsibilities his, that he's given us. It'll impact those uh, closest to us, but it'll no, by no means stop with those closest to us. Real faith steps out into the work of the Lord, and it does it out of, hear this out, it does it out of love. Love for God. And love for God always responds with obedience to God. And so God gives us that love. And then love for God results in love for others. All the commandments hang on to. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That will cause us, Lord, when God pours that love in, we will then live this out. I've been reading this book from D.L. Moody, and just I'm just so blessed by it that everything he did was driven by the love of Jesus, not driven by, oh, I must do this. This is duty. I better cross it off the list but by the love for the Lord. You know, Dr. Tony Evans, uh, some of you might listen to him on the radio, he said, many of us are waiting for God to show up and do something in our lives, but at the same time, God is waiting until we show up and step out in faith. That's true. We're waiting for God to show up, and God says, I'm waiting for you to show up. God's like, I'm here. I'm ready to fill you with power. Will you step out in faith? And small steps, God will, re God will reward. Many people, I know many Christians, that God has been speaking to them about one little area, and they keep putting it off, and they keep putting it off, and they keep putting it off, and putting it off. And God says, when you take that small step, I'm going to ignite other areas of your life. Nehemiah looked well beyond himself, and the people ended up doing the same. They ended up looking well beyond themselves. There's so many places to start, but the thing is to start, isn't it? You have to start somewhere. Um, the more we help others the more it strengthens, even in ways we're not even perceiving ourselves. Strengthening other people strengthens ourselves. Uh, I, I, mentioned, I mentioned this um, last week in a study. I'm not going to read all these, but, uh, but Pastor Greg Laurie had tweeted out this week, and I, I, if you follow me on Facebook, I put it out there. You know, marriage in this country has moved from 78% down to 48%. Fatherless homes. Suicide, incarceration are staggering with fatherless homes. And I believe that one of the things God has called us as the church to do is, first and foremost, I have three daughters. I must be a godly father in my house. But it doesn't stop there. I love, from the day I've been saved, I've become a spiritual father to other young men. And I hope way more in the next 20, 30 years. Because you know what? There's an endless supply of young men and young women out there that need dads. We have them in this church. Some of you could be big brothers, big sisters, and mentor right now. People would say, I've been praying for you to show up. 
I've been sitting on your same row. <laughs> right? The opportunities abound for, for us to actually rise up and, and do this work. And I think that God has given us, I believe, a responsibility to reach out more. Now, I've been born in, well, I was born in 1969, but I'm living in 2018. God said, I put you in America for this reason, for when all of this is falling apart, you guys get to actually step in. And I believe that any of these young men and young women from these broken homes are ready to get saved. Amen. Will we care enough? And so God is giving us this opportunity. The fields are white into harvest. But not just here, around the world. You know, we have Lee here today. I'm just tying this in, the fact that she's sharing and Bill, Pastor Bill next week. I shared this back in, um, uh, I shared this back in uh, February or something like that. Lord put on my heart, a lot of times people will think about doing something, but because they can't ever kind of come to grips with what, where to start, nothing happens. So they'll just stay in the, it's like a horse getting put in the chute and no one ever opened the chute up, right? Some of you already give the missions. Some of you already do that. Great. But I believe God wants everyone to take little steps further. If you tithe, if you faithfully give, you're a first fruit giver. If you already give to the Coth Orange, you give to other missions, great. I think God says, all right, now take another little step. I told this to Pastor Jeff down in Guatemala. I told it to Pastor Bill in Uganda. And um, you know, I'm sharing it with you guys as well. Uh, I believe that a church our size, if everybody gave $10 a month to one of these ministries, it would add up to a lot. It would add up to a lot. So I can do 10 bucks. Just 10, just 10, and mark it down. So in the next couple weeks, Trevor's our missions coordinator. We're, you know, we'll have, we'll have a sign up and we'll want, say, I'm going to say, I, I'm going to chunk it up. I'm going to go five to Guatemala and five to India. I'm going to, I'm going to take a massive step of faith and go 15 bucks. Right? Yeah, some people, we have people that $5 in this church means a lot. There have other people that 10 bucks doesn't mean much. And they, Hit that at Starbucks two times a week. So it really depends, but I believe that God says, look, I'll take... Remember what Jesus did with fish and loaves? Because one kid says, this is all I got, but I'll do it. And I really believe that God is telling us, look, now is this, the fields are right. There's opportunities in India right now for more people to come. There's opportunities in Uganda. There's opportunities in Guatemala that say, look, $10, these little pieces, little pieces on the same wall, and God will use it in a great way. I want to close with this. Uh, remember in chapter 4 here, he said, Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, verse 9. He said in verse 14, Do not be afraid. Remember the Lord great, awesome, Lord great and awesome, and fight for your brethren and sons. And so he prays again to God. Verse 15, God brought their plot to nothing. Verse 20, he said, Wherever you hear, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Again and again, Nehemiah, they'd hit an impasse. They'd hit an impasse. They'd hit an impasse. What did he do? Oh, God. Now, when you're walking with God, you have an open phone line, right? The Bible says, if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if we stay walking in the Spirit... It doesn't mean we won't have problems. It means as soon as we have them, we run to God. Amen? When we don't walk with God, we don't run to God. We run to our own resources, don't we? 
I need to work more hours. I need to do this. I need to figure this out. I need to do this. I need to relax. I need another vacation. I need another vacation. I need this. I need that. If I only bought something, this would help me. If I live in a different city, all these things, none of those solve our problems. Amen? God says, rally to me in prayer. This afternoon, we, we call a, a rally. Someday you'll want people to rally to you in prayer. Sometime in your life, you're going to need people more than you do now. I know there'll be a time in my life I will need prayer like I've never needed before. You probably will too. It's a blessing for us to go and pray this afternoon at 2 o'clock. Hey, if you can't, you got commitments, stop and pray wherever you're at. But the bottom line is, Nehemiah was teaching the people, you're going to need to stop and pray. Stop and pray. Fear, difficulty, setbacks, lack of resources, daunting responsibilities, all should cause us to pray. And yet at times we still won't, won't we? We still don't pray. Well, did you pray? My wife's been a good Holy Spirit for me at times. She's like, well, did you pray about it? I'm like, no. <laughs> You're the pastor, right? Yes. <laughs> it doesn't always happen, but it happens sometimes. And I'll, I'll, I'll just, because I'll try and figure something out. You ever done that? Uh -huh. i got to figure this out. Right, right, right. i got to try and figure a spreadsheet out, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> But prayer can't be a last resort, can it? No. It needs to be our, our spirit-led response again and again, our continual reliance on Jesus. Um, for many, as long as things are going smooth, their prayer life is very weak, if it, if it exists in at all. Have you started to realize you can't live without a relationship with Jesus? Yes. Have you started to realize you can't live without his counsel? Have you started to realize you can't live without his protection? Our dependence on prayer must continue to grow in two respects. Our personal communion and our collective gathering together to pray. If you're not gathering other Christians to pray, you're missing a major fundamental thing that Jesus taught and the early church started in Acts chapter 2. They gathered to pray. They gathered to pray. But you won't gather to pray if you don't have a personal prayer life either. You have to have a personal prayer. Jesus said, go into your closet and shut the door. That's your personal prayer life, right? He said, go in the closet shut the door. That was a metaphor for us today, but although they really did have these things in, in Bible times where they would kind of go into a private place of prayer, Jesus would go away to a mountain, remember? Go all by himself and, and talk to God in prayer. Personal prayer, personal communion, but it doesn't stop there. He would also gather the disciples to pray, and the church would gather to pray, and both are very important. Are we moved to pray? Is what Nehemiah was teaching the people. You have to have your personal prayer, but you must be moved together rally together in prayer. There's no progress without personal prayer and where two or three are gathered together, Jesus said, I'm in their midst. There's a different power Jesus pours out on gathering to pray. This Wednesday night, we have a prayer meeting. I encourage you to come. This afternoon, you know, if you're able to come to prayer, great. I, some of us will fast lunch now and not eat and just go and pray, and that will be our spiritual food, and God will honor that. And this Wednesday, you can fast and pray, but God will honor it in your life, the personal prayer and coming together. Why do believers neglect life without a prayer? Biggest reason is still too self-dependent. Now, once God removes some of the things that we depend on, we start to not be so self-dependent, right? God says, uh, how about I take those training wheels away? Too self-dependent. We don't believe in the power of prayer a lot of times. We don't believe in the power of prayer uh, we have still too much self-focus. 
God wants to turn our prayers to others. Too tired, too wiped out, often lack of love, all of these things. But God says, look, there's no real victory outside of prayer. Amen? We need to wrap it up. We're going to close here in prayer. And I, I'm going to, I know we had uh, the update uh, already, and I'm not going to even ask the worship team to come up. I'm just going to close this in prayer. Uh, but I do want to do that. Why don't you stand with me as we close in prayer? I just want to ask you a couple of closing questions. Are there signs of progress? We've been in Nehemiah since, I think, February. Are there signs of progress? Just ask, Lord, show me, are there signs of progress in my life? Did you know that we don't mature in a day? We are little steps of progress along the way. Little steps of progress. Can you see signs of progress? Are you agreeing with the word of God and the will of God? Are you saying less and less, my will be done, and more and more, Lord, your will be done? Are we laying down our rationalized justifications and excuses? Laying them down. Say, Lord, I'm not going to try and pull this one over on you because it never works with God, does it? Are we stepping into the work that God's called us to at home and in the church and, and to others by faith? Are we starting to believe and depend on prayer? And when we do, you'll have a word for someone else to put an arm around and say, let me pray and you'll mean it. And they'll be like, wow, that really was powerful. Because you'll be praying in the spirit. It won't just be some words like, well, I know it's the Christian thing I'm supposed to do. So here comes a flat prayer. <laughs> I didn't say a long, drawn-out prayer. That, I'm just saying one that's sincere by the spirit. Um, and in closing, do you believe we have a father that loves us? A father that loves us. It was Father's Day last week. It's Father's Day every day with the children of God. We have a father that loves us. As parents, you can force your kids into the right response, but is that what you really want? To force them into the right response? Or do you want them to willingly make the right response? God wants us to willingly make the right response. He can force us into anything. Do you agree with that? Yes. He could force us right now to our knees like you've never thought. He could actually have us gripped with fear. And he's saying, no, no, right now, I'm willingly saying, surrender all. We talked about that hymn, uh, to surrender it. God's calling us to receive and respond. He'll guarantee the progress when we agree with him, we step out in faith, and we do it in prayer. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the reminders of your word. We thank you for the work that you did in Nehemiah and the people. Lord, we pray that you do that work in us. We thank you that you do it all out of love. You demonstrate it at the cross, and Lord, you love us enough to remind us that we can't do this without your strength. And Lord, that you'll give us the strength to do, if our battery is as low as those baby parents, Lord, that you will give us supernatural strength. Yes. And you'll even give us a heart and a care for people that right now maybe we don't care about. But you want to change our hearts. And Lord, we pray that you would make that progress in us and we would do it together. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.